in chapter 2. And this morning we're going to read verse 17. And I'm not sure, but I think there may be a couple of messages that, I bring, that I'll bring from this verse, like we did with 16. And I want to go back and start with 16 and read 16 and 17 together. And deliver them... Let's go back to actually... Uh, yeah, 16. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Now we go to verse 17. Hebrews 2, verse 17. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of his people. So, reading that whole verse there, you see there's a whole lot of different subjects there. It, he was behooved. He was behooved to be made like unto his brethren. There's two different subjects right there. And we're going to look at those two this morning. And we'll briefly consider the rest of that verse, but uh, probably look into it deeper the rest of the week. Now, our first point I want to consider this morning is the Lord has inspired the apostle to write these words. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brother. Now, that word behooved jumped out at me. I was like, what in the world? What, is it, what does that mean? What, is the, what does the word behooved mean? So I went to the King James Dictionary and I looked it up and the word behooved means figuratively to be under obligation or he ought or he must or he should. He was behooved. He ought to be made. He was under the obligation to be the Lord was obligated, you say. Well, wait a minute, John. Are you saying that our Lord was obligated? Well, let me tell you something right now. He was not obligated by anything of you. Just because you've changed your life and become a good person compared to what you may have been before God called you, doesn't mean that God has changed or is obligated to you in any way. But God is obligated to Himself, to His Word. When He says to you and I, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Can they not come to Him? Is He not obligated to bring them to Him somehow or another? Is he not obligated by his own word? By his own promise? Well, let's, let's, take that, let's take that a little deeper, shall we? Where does grace begin? Grace begins in the covenant before the world was made, doesn't it? Doesn't it go back to that covenant that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit made before the world was ever created? And you know what that covenant is. God the Father loved the people, so He gave a people to His Son. He gave us those who He will call with the uh, 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 a loving call. With loving kindness, He will draw them to the Son. And the Son... 
His obligation was, okay, I'll save that people. I'll do everything that is needed for that people who are going to sin, who are going to make, who are going to be sinners. I'll do. I'll, I'll save that people for you. And the Spirit, His obligation is this: I'll call them. I'll reveal the Lord Jesus Christ to to them. I'll give them life so that they can see who the Lord Jesus truly is. Grace always begins in the covenant, the agreement between the great three and one. The three that we know as one God. It's a great mystery to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, yet one God. Who can explain that? I don't even try. No. But the Bible declares it, doesn't it? We shall make man in our image. Not my image, but our image. The Lord declares himself to be plural right off the beginning. I believe the word of God. I can't explain it. It's a mystery. But that's what the word of God says. It's true, nonetheless. And these three in their great wisdom chose to save a people unto themselves. And in the wisdom of God, the Son would be manifest in the flesh. It behooved him wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren so we see this behooved means to he is obligated but obligated to what to be made like unto his brethren our lord was manifest in the flesh he walked as a man yet he walked without sin not like you and i at all we can't, we can't take two steps. I can't get out of bed in the morning and take one thought without committing a sin against my Lord. That's just what it is. I'm a sinner, saved by grace. You're doing good if you had to wait till you got out of bed. You know, you're right. I didn't even know that I could get out of bed thinking it. I'm probably, I'm probably sinning in my dreams. <laughs> Absolutely right. Thank you. Our Lord walked as a man, yet he walked without sin. Thus being born not of the seed of Adam, as we saw in our previous <coughs> study. Excuse me, just a moment. <coughs> I got something tickling in my throat. <coughs> Thank you. <clears throat> Therefore, being born not of the seed of Adam, as we saw in our last study, but as we read, as we read over there in verse 16, but he took on him the seed of Abraham, the seed of promise. He was made like unto his brethren. Isn't that something? God calls you his brethren. He calls you his sister, brethren, same thing. God calls us his brethren. Can you wrap your mind around that? A perfect, holy, righteous God calls us brethren. Whew! If you see yourself as a sinner, that's an amazing miracle. That's, a, that's an amazing act of grace. And that's what this is all about. It's God's sovereign grace in saving His people. Making us righteous in his son not in this flesh but in his son 
The word brethren is used 292 times in the New Testament alone. So I want to consider just a few. If you will look over at Matthew chapter 12 with me. Turn over to Matthew. You hold your place here in Hebrews. We'll come back to it at the end here. Turn over to Matthew chapter 12. Let's consider just a couple of these places where the Lord uses the word brethren. In Matthew chapter 12, not 26. I'll get there. Matthew chapter 12, over in verse 46, we read this. And while he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren. Now, the Lord Jesus was born to Mary, the virgin. But Mary was, born, was married to Joseph. And after the Lord Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph went about doing what husband and wives do. They multiplied. They had other children. So the Lord had brothers. They were just brothers of their father Joseph and their mother Mary, not uh, as the Lord was from the Spirit. So while he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak to him. So here they come. They want to talk to their brother. It was he. Jesus. And then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother, this is 40, 47, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, stand outside. There's so many people here to see the Lord Jesus. They want to speak to thee, they, that they said. Verse 48, But he answered and said unto him, unto the one who was telling him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and he sold and he said behold here these ones here behold behold these ones right here behold my mother and my brethren for whosoever shall do the will of my father which is in heaven the same is my brother and sister and mother you know what the will of the father is says in scripture my father's will is that I should lose none that's what the scriptures tell us the will of the father is that Jesus Christ should lose none you would think that would put to rest those who want to preach that it's your free will wouldn't you you would think that that would shut those up who say it's my decision it's my will I will decide. Folks, if you're a child of God, a true child of God, you know that if God left you to your own will, you would never come to Him. You know that. You see it now because you're been, you have been given sight to see the truth of God's Word. You can see that it wasn't your decision. It wasn't your decision to come down to the front and make, make a prayer. It wasn't your decision to get into the waters of baptism that saved you. It wasn't your good deeds. I've quit smoking. I've quit cussing. I don't do this. I don't do that. It's Him. It's all about Him. Yeah. 
What is the will of the Father? To believe that all that He had given His Son shall believe on Him. Whosoever shall believe on Me shall have everlasting life. Those are pretty definite words. Here our Lord tells us, these are My brethren, you who believe. You who believe all of the Word of God, not just the things that you want to believe, but all of it, are His brethren and sister. Isn't that amazing? Brethren, the family of God, inductees, adopted, those who were without and have been brought within. Look over at Romans chapter 8. Those who are without but have been brought in. Those that He calls my brethren. Those who were once dead in trespasses and sin hath He quickened, made alive as we read in Ephesians 1. You don't need to turn there. We're going to look at Romans chapter 8. Look with me if you would at verse 12 through 17. Therefore, brethren, Romans 8 verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Now this is Paul speaking to you and I. Those that our Lord calls His brethren. We are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Those who are led of God. Not those who go out and figure it out on their own. Not those who read the Bible through five times in a year. Not those who study, study, study. But those who are led of God. They are the sons of God. Verse 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, the spirit of slavery, again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. The family of God. The inductees, the adopted ones. Those who were without and have been brought in. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Children of God... No longer the children of the flesh. That's what we just read about there. We are His brethren. We are chosen unto adoption before the world was. We were loved with an everlasting love as we read in Jeremiah. We are drawn unto Him by His irresistible grace as we also read in Jeremiah. Given life where there was once only death. That's what we read, or that's what I quoted a moment ago in Ephesians chapter 1. He who hath quickened us. Also, or Ephesians chapter 2, I'm sorry. Also in Ephesians chapter 2, let me quote this for you, verses 4 through 7. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. You know, don't you just don't you just hate those who say Jesus loves you? You might go to hell, but Jesus loves you because you won't let Him. What a what a what a what a put down of the true and living God. What a put down. 
Way to take, way to take the great and majestic creator of everything that is and reduce him to something men can handle in their hand. Squish him up if they want to. Scripture says here, for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead. Dead. Dead dog dead, Pastor Gene would say. <laughs> By grace are ye saved, the scriptures tell us. And this one who had quickened us together with Christ and given us life has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you know that's right now? God looks upon every one of His people and He sees the blood of His Son, therefore He sees no sin in us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> he sees us as clean and pure and perfect as His only begotten Son. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His glory, of His grace, in His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. We are made alive. We are made righteous in Him. Nothing in us but in Him. Verse 27 goes on to say this, It behooved Him to be made like unto His brethren, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation to reconcile his people for the sins of the people now we are taught in Hebrews 2 verse 17 that the Lord Jesus was appointed by God to be our great high priest the word wherefore that we read there does not refer so much as to what Paul has said before but what he is about to say Wherefore, you know how sometimes that refers back to what he said before? Well, this time it's referring to what we're reading next. He's to be made like his brethren that he would be the high priest to them, the people, making reconciliation for their sins. Our Lord has shown us how that Christ is superior to angels You'll recall that in the first chapter of Hebrews. He's, and that he came into the world not to redeem fallen angels, but to redeem fallen men. And now he is about to show you and I how that Christ is superior even to Moses. Even to Joshua. Even Aaron. He's more superior. He's mighty. He's effectual. He's an effectual savior of his people. Remember this letter seems to tell us of better things. Hebrews 1.4 Being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He begins by telling us that it's necessary for Christ to be made like those people for whom he came to save so that he might be our great high priest in the things pertaining to God. Our Lord Jesus Christ is unrivaled in His excellency as the Word of God, as the revelation of the invisible God. Listen to Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2 again. God, who at sundry times and diverse manners, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, but in these last days spoken unto us by His 
Son. How did he speak? He spoke through Moses. Jesus Christ speaks better words than Moses. How did he speak before? He spoke through Joshua. He spoke through Aaron. Jesus Christ speaks better words than all of them. When he says, I have done it. Though our Lord spoke in the Old Testament in types and shadows and ceremonies of the pictures of the law and by visions of faithful prophets of the law, the prophets spoke of and pointed us to one thing, and that's Christ our Savior. And now in these last days, God has spoken to His people through the preaching of His Word one more time, this time with finality, by His Son. Once the Son says something, it's done. Aren't you thankful? Yes. When the Lord said it is finished, aren't you thankful? Yes. When the Lord said, My sheep hear my voice, aren't you thankful? Amen. You and I cannot see God. We cannot know God. We cannot speak to God or be spoken to by God or come to God except through His Son, the Lord Jesus. Turn over to John chapter 14. Actually, uh, let's turn to Matthew instead. Matthew 25. We're almost out of time, so I'm gonna, we'll just look at one verse here. Matthew 25. 11. Matthew 11. I'm sorry. Matthew 11. I get it. I'm a little rusty. I've only preached once in two weeks. Got a little bit out, out of step. <laughs> look over at Matthew 11. And look at verse 25 with me, if you would. See, I had the right number, just the wrong title for it. And at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. God cannot speak to you and I outside of through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He says here, I thank Thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because Thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in Thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son, but the Father neither knoweth any man his Father saved the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will what? Reveal. Will reveal him. Christ is the only way, folks. Without him, there is no going to God. He's the only truth. Without him, there is no knowing who God is. He is the only life. Without him, there is no living before God. There is no prophet like Christ, our prophet. He is unrivaled in His excellency as a revelation of the invisible God. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, which I just read for you just a moment ago, the Spirit of God informs us that the Lord Jesus Christ is superior to, greater than, and exalted above all things. The primary purpose of this book is to show us that Christ is better. He's better than all who came before Him. 
He's better than the prophets. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Joshua. Better than Aaron. He is a surety of a better covenant established upon better promises, giving a better hope. Christ our Savior is better than the tabernacle that they worshipped in. He's better than the altar that they sacrificed on. He's better than the mercy seat that they spread His blood on. He is the better sacrifice, better offering, better blood, and He gives us better access to a better standing before a thrice holy God. In all things, the Lord Jesus is better than all others. He is, if you could put it in one word, unrivaled. The message of our text is Christ is the only priest who is sufficient in the things pertaining to God, of which we will look deeper into 